helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. If you've grown up in the church or maybe studied the Word of God in depth, you probably have a story that you know by heart or you feel like you've read so many times there's nothing new you can learn about it. You you could recite it by heart almost. Well, today we're going to pick apart a story that's probably familiar for very many of us listening today, and it's the story about Noah and his children. But we're going to take, probably for some of you, a controversial look at this story, and we're going to take a different perspective and try to explore a different theological in- explanation of this story that maybe you haven't heard before. We recognize it's only one explanation, but we really think the theological perspective we're going to explore this morning is going to give us a lot of interesting insights to how the dynamics of Noah's family and the situations that we read in the story we're going to explore this morning had long-standing impact. So I encourage you to stay tuned. This is going to be an excellent show and hopefully provide us all with some insights into a story that we, as I say, have read many times before, but I bet you, you probably haven't read it like this. My name is Melissa Waggett, and I am the co-host of the Life Transformation Radio Show. I am so excited that you've decided to join us this morning. If you want to find out more about this radio show or our past programs, I strongly encourage you to go to our website at Elam Counseling counselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com, where you can always call us toll-free for more information at 1-877-544-3546. And stay tuned, because today we're going to be talking about Noah and his children controlling sexual desires. So for those of you who've joined us for the many years we've been on the radio, um, you are not going to be surprised who's with me in studio None other than Michael Hart. He is the director of Elam Counseling Services. He's also a certified psychotherapist. And each and every week, he gets to join us um, to explore these topics. And Michael, when we, in prepping for the show, you warned me today, we are going to be controversial. So I am geared up and I am ready because the way we're going to be exploring this uh, story this morning, I know for myself, when you first presented this as a show idea, I had never heard this story interpreted this way before, ever. And I'm one of those church lifers who did like the Sunday school, I feel like a hundred times reading the story of Noah, and I've never read or heard it interpreted like this. So I am excited. Well, I'm excited too, Melissa, because this is a, a, a passage of scripture in Genesis chapter 9 that has bothered me since my childhood, because in this story, it seems that Canaan is getting a very bad deal, and he's been punished for doing nothing. And uh, the person who is actually the, the you could say the the, the 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 perpetrator of something wrong, which is Ham, his father gets off scotch free. Uh, but then again, also the story, the punishment that has been given out seems to be way disproportionate, way too extreme for a simple thing as seeing your father's father naked. So it's this passage from Genesis chapter 9, and uh, from maybe you could look at it entire section from verse 1 to verse 27. We won't read the scripture today, but just in a nutshell, what this story explains is the story of 
of Noah and his children after the flood. And they have disembarked from the flood and God has given them a new start. This is like the virus of the computer has been cleaned out and you're getting now a new reboot. So the, the sin has been wiped off of the face of the earth. And now there is a new start and the same words that were used in Genesis is used here in verse 1 of chapter 9. And I'll read that verse. And the verse says, And God blessed Noah and and God blessed Noah and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The them in the passage of scripture is Noah and his wife and his sons and his son's wife. So the same words that were used in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, has been used here again. So it's a new start. It's a new beginning. It's a chance for mankind to make it right after falling into to sin and the whole world becoming so sinful that we are told that God had to wipe mankind off the face of the earth except for Noah and his family. But what is interesting that no sooner has this reboot taken place that we find that humanity is again plunging into sin. And where does the sin start? The sin starts with the righteous people who made it out of out of the, the flood, Noah and his family. The sin starts surprisingly in Noah's tent. And I think this is this is a message for those of us who believe that we can somehow inoculate our children from sin by keeping them in the home and keeping them out of, you know, from interacting with the world. Because sin lies in the most unsuspecting place. And so sin found its way into the tent of the most righteous people that survived the flood. And I think God has given us a message here that as as human beings, we have sin within each and every one of us. So we are to be careful about how we point our finger uh, to the public school system, to the secular world, and uh, feel as if we can inoculate and protect our children from sin. So now to the story. So we have this family who came out of the ark and they're they're starting anew. And we are told that no other righteous man uh, had a vineyard and he started drinking the wine that he produced from the vineyard. And he became so drunk in his tent one day that he passed out apparently naked and his son Ham, who is the father of Canaan, came in and saw him saw him drunk and went and told his other two brothers to come and look, look at dad. Dad is in this in this state of drunkenness and he's exposed according to the story. He sees his nakedness, his father's nakedness. He uncovered, the Bible said, he, he saw his father's nakedness and he was un, as he was uncovered within his tent. And for this, we are told later on in the passage in from verse 19 to 27, that of Genesis 9, that Noah, when he woke up, pronounced a curse, not upon Ham, who exposes nakedness, but 
up on his son Canaan. So why is Canaan being cursed and why is the punishment so harsh? As I said today, we're going to have a very controversial explanation of this passage that many people probably will be hearing for the first time. But let me say that there are three different interpretations Three different ways in which this passage can be looked at. The first is you could look at it at face value and say, Ham went in the tent, he saw his father naked, and for that his father wakes up and pronounces a curse up on Canaan. And to be honest, that's how I've read that in the past. And I've always been confronted with like the unjustness of that interpretation because it's not my fault my dad is passed out drunk naked. I just happened upon the scene, but somehow... My offspring are affected and it never quite jived in my brain mentally because it just didn't make sense. It seemed very unjust for the offspring of Ham to be affected because of Noah's silly choice is how I would read it. Yes, and there is no passage in the entire Bible that talks about this as being looking seeing your parents naked as being such a sin that would warrant this extreme punishment on the next generation. So that interpretation has some weakness. There's there's nothing in in Scripture that shows that kind of punishment for that, that kind of offense. And not only that, it seems unfair that you are punishing uh, Ham's son for what Ham did. So the, the, the second interpretation is that Ham perpetrated some kind of homosexual act on his father, his father Noah, while he was in this drunken state. And some theologians uh, see this in the text because the text reads that when Noah awoke and saw what Ham had done to him, that he, he pronounced this curse on Canaan, Ham's son. So that what Ham has done to him has been interpreted by some com- commentators, some theologians, to mean that Ham per- perpetrated a sexual act on his father. The third interpretation is the one that we will be using for this show, and it's the interpretation that say Ham is Ham. What Ham did was to have. Uh, in an incestuous relationship with his father's wife within his father's tent while they were both drunk and passed out and naked. And that Canaan is the father, is is the byproduct of this incestuous relationship, and that's why he's cursed. So fasten your seatbelt. I know some of you out there now are saying, where does this interpretation come from? Is there scriptures to back it up? Yes, we're going to be looking at scriptures to show that there is much more going on in this passage than meets the eye. I'm glad you have scriptures to back this up, because I have my notes in front of me, and I'm rereading the text that we've pulled from Genesis, and nowhere do I see... Ham's mom referenced. Uh, <laughs> there is no female pronouns referenced in the story. All I hear here, yeah. all I read is Ham, and it's all about Noah and seeing his nakedness. So how did you, well, how, how did you? I shouldn't just blame all this right. on you, Michael. How do theologians leap from that okay. to I am having sex with my mom? How right. did we get from there <laughs> here to there? Because I don't see the link when I read this at face value. All right. So, help so us, fasten, help me out. fasten your seatbelt and get ready for this. Okay. So here we are. We're going to have some fun with this. If you have your Bibles at home and you're ready to call the station and complain and say, this man has gone crazy. They're like, what like is he me. talking about? Like, let's look at Leviticus 18, verse 7 and 8. Verse 
8 in particular said, The nakedness of thy father's wife shall thou not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. So there is something going on in this passage here that when it talks about the nakedness of the father, it's not necessarily referring to the fact that the father is naked. It's talking about the nakedness of the mother. And I'll read it again, Leviticus 18, verse 8. The nakedness of thy father's wife shall thou not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. So what is this thing about uncovering nakedness? What does it actually mean to uncover someone's nakedness? Now, to uncover someone's nakedness in, is a euphemism or an idiom that means to have sexual intercourse with. And we know that from the passages. If you read uh, Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, you will see that those chapters are largely about sexual relationships, which sexual relationships are are permitted and which is not permitted. So, for example, if you look at Leviticus 18, verse 14, it says, Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father's brother, which is that thy uncle. Thou shalt not approach to his wife, she is thine aunt. So what this is saying, don't have sexual relationship with your aunt, because if you do that, you're actually exposing your 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 uncle's nakedness. So we know that this is, when, when it is talking about Ham seeing Noah naked, seeing his father's nakedness, does not literally mean he's looking at his nakedness. There is a strong sexual message that has been sent here. If you don't believe me, then we can keep digging further. Let us look at Leviticus 20 verse 17, and I'll read this passage as well. And this 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 should be the clincher because this should show that there is more here that when it talks about seeing nakedness, it's not talking about just looking on someone. Quote, and if a man shall take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and see her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and thou shalt be cut off in the sight of their their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness, and he shall bear his iniquity. So this is from Leviticus 20.17, unquote. Uh, this, this old section here that they have just read is from Leviticus 20.17. And it's all in the passage that if you look at the NIV, these passages in, in Leviticus 18 and 20, it's all talking about sexual relations. So we are talking about uh, sexual relationship, and the two points I want you to get is that uncovering your father's nakedness, as we have made clear through the scriptures, mean uh, having intercourse with your father's wife. And the second thing is that seeing nakedness does not mean looking on nakedness. It's a euphemism that means having sexual intercourse with. So if you take out your Bible now and you're going through the Greek and you're saying, well, I'm looking at the Greek meaning for seeing and I am not seeing sexual intercourse coming up. Well, you're right. You will not find this in a Greek uh, our, our Hebrew, I should say, uh, lexicon, because those those uh, books will not give you euphemism unless you understand how the language is used in the culture. So an example of this today, if I were to say to someone who doesn't understand the English language that 
the President of the United States was found guilty of sleeping with someone, and this person doesn't understand the English language, and they said, well, let me, let me go and take my dictionary and see what sleep means. And you go and you look up the word sleep, and you would say, ah, he slept with. This doesn't sound like such a big deal, or why is the media making it a big deal about uh, the President sleeping with someone? Now, if you understand the culture that it's a euphemism that sleeping with means having sexual intercourse with, it makes a lot more sense. So there's a lot of moving parts going on in this passage. And the other thing about the passage that we read in Genesis 9, it's it's written over many years, over about three, it, it's covering about 300 years of history. So the first part is where they are fresh out of the, the, the ark. And that's Noah planting his vineyard, drinking wine, getting drunk. The second part is is the action that take place, the, the, the action of, the, of Ham coming in the tent and uncovering his father's nakedness, having sexual intercourse with his mom. And the third part of that scripture is where the curse is pronounced. And we look at that as being one text, as if Noah wakes up and see what happened and say, oh, curse be Canaan. But the truth is that Noah lived 300 years after the flood. And that last part is probably written near the end of his life. And if you don't believe, go to the text and you will see shortly after that, we have the statement that Noah died living 300 years after after the flood. So in other words, Noah is pronouncing a, a, a deathbed blessing in the same way that Isaac blessed Esau and, and Jacob just before he departed this life. And I think the same thing is happening here. So what we, if you read it all at once, you will get the scripture, the, the message that Cain was, uh, that Canaan was alive uh, while that tent incident was going on, but he was not. Canaan was born long after that incident took place, and he's probably the byproduct of an incestuous relationship. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Radio Show, and today we are talking about Noah's and his children controlling sexual desires. If you missed the first half of today's show, we encourage you to go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can always call us toll-free at 1-877-544-3546, and we'd be happy to connect you with a copy of today's show. So, Michael, you've done a really great job of giving some a unique theological perspective on this passage in Genesis. But for people who've listened to us for over the years, we are a relationship and a mental health and supporting families show. So why on earth are we we exploring at such a deep theological level this story? What kind of things do you want us to learn from this story that we can apply to our lives today? Well, I think there are some conditions that exist in the family of Noah and his children that is very pertinent to modern-day society in which there is sexual uh dysfunction or, or sexual uh, deviance such as incest or sexual abuse of children by family members. And we're going to look at the, the conditions that existed in Noah's time because it, it it's a red flag for us when we see these conditions. And I think one of one of the, the and I think it's important for us to look at it within the family context because research is showing that 
80% of abusers are a parent or someone close to a child and that a child is a, a child child abuse is far more likely to occur in a child's home than in a daycare statistics also show us that one in 3 girls and one in 5 boys are sexually abused by an adult at some time during their childhood so there's this strong prevalence of sexual abuse that takes place and so with those statistics, knowing it's as prevalent as it is, um, we've done some shows in the past that we've really dug into it. What can we learn from Noah's family and that climate that was going on um, that led to this being able to occur? Genesis 9 verse 21 tells us that Noah was drinking and became drunk. We find that in a lot of families where there is sexual abuse, that there is substance abuse taking place. It is this loss of self-control due to substance abuse that sometimes lead to incest and other sexual deviance that takes place in family systems. And so we see the same thing. You know, another thing that we find in this story, which is very interesting, and we also find in, in stories where children are abused is that you have a closed family system. There is no more closed family system than this family of Noah. We are told that they were they were it. They were just out of the out of the ark and they're given this go and multiply and replenish the earth. So there is no one else around. There is no neighbor in place to 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 keep an eye over what's going on or to keep check of what's going on. So so the father and, and the mother, if they are intoxicated, then there is no there is there is no one to oversee what is going on. So 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 the conditions that are parallel today is the substance abuse. Noah Noah was drunk. The second is that there is a closed family system, no neighbor. So closed family systems sometimes exist for a purpose because people don't want outside interference. The secret they have this secret that they are keeping within the family. And the intention is that we don't want to expose our children to others outside. We want to keep a tight rein on what's going on because if they start to interact too too much with others, then what's going on, the sexual deviance that's going on inside the household might find its way out. So children are sometimes uh, extremely controlled. And so this, this in Noah's uh, story, it's a very closed family system. The third thing that we find in this story is that these these uh, boys they are, they have no supervision because the parents are drunk within the within the tent and this leads to all kind of dysfunction when parents are not uh, present emotionally and are available to give guidance to the family system. Yeah, I'm just picturing these guys having no one else on the earth. There, you really would allow them to have a long leash because in your mind, what else is there to harm them? It's just us. Yes. It's just us. What other things do we see in this story and how these kids were raised? The other thing that we see is uh, that there is sexual exposure of the boys, even though they weren't children at the time per se, but there is a sexual exposure that's going on because Ham is being exposed to something sexual uh, by Noah being drunk in his tent naked kid and uh, based on our interpretation with his mother there as well also naked because Noah's wife would not be in another tent she would be in the same tent so apparently they are passed out from drinking 
and the the son Ham came in and see his mother in and his dad in some sexual uh, context, both being being naked, and so we this kind of exposure can be detrimental. Now, the, the, another part of the story that we did not touch on was the, the the attitude of the other brothers, Shem and Japheth, as they as they go in. The Bible tells us that they went in backward, not wanting to see what was happening in the tent. So, to me, the attitude of Shem and Japheth in this story is to saying we don't want to even look at these sexual images. We don't want to even see what's happening because being exposed and seeing can evoke sexual nature. And so it's important that in family system, our attitude to sexuality be a healthy one. Not that we don't talk about sex, but that we don't expose children to sexual things in a way that could cause them to become sexualized at a too too early Age. So we have seen in some families where there is direct sexualization of children for the parents' advantage for incest to take place where they're stimulating the desires of children by exposing them to pornographic literature and other things that is make is, is making them develop unhealthy sexual desires for the parents. And so all of these things we see happening within the family of Noah and, uh, and his children, and we should avoid these things if we want to avoid uh, unhealthy sexual desire in our family system. So one point I'm wondering if you can touch on towards the end of the story, you say this is like 300 years down the line, is that conversation that happens around the curse of Canaan? And what does this mean? And why does it come out this way? Dr. Gail Ross, in an article entitled, A Stable Home Equals a Successful Child, tells us that when a child grows up in an environment in which there is abuse or other sources of extreme stress, that the brain of the child is bathed in in, in the stress hormone cortisol. And then this can lead to... Uh, Problems such as uh, lack of impulse control, social problems, and academic problem. These problems can set up a child for failure. So with our interpretation of the passage that Canaan is a product of an incestuous relationship between Noah's wife and her son Ham, Canaan would be set up for failure. He would be despised by his uncles. He would not have been welcomed in the world with joy by his grandfather. And can you just imagine Canaan growing up in a family in which there is this kind of a turmoil? We know also from scriptures, example in 2 Samuel 16.21, that sleeping with your father's wife in Old Testament time was a way of disposing him of power. In this kind of a context, Ham and Canaan would be a threat to Noah and the other brothers. In this context, the curse then would be God merely revealing the struggles that Canaan would have. He would not be cursing 
an innocent child. So I think it makes a lot more sense, Melissa, to look at this the text with this kind of interpretation than merely this arbitrary curse on a child. God is merely foretelling the kind of struggles that Canaan would have. Now, let me be clear here. This is not to say that every child who experiences these disadvantages is destined to failure and that they're under some kind of a curse from God. But the statistics show that our prisons and social justice system are filled with people who are from broken homes or from homes in which there is a lot of turmoil and stress. So it's very important for us to understand that. So if you've been listening to this show and you say, well, I can identify with going through what Canaan has gone through based on your interpretation of that passage. Am I under some kind of curse in which I am doomed? Or is there something that I can do? The good news is that, yes, there is something that you can do. We, are, we, we know from scriptures that there are situations in the Bible where people have been cursed and God has reversed those curses. Ezekiah, for example, God predicted that he would die. But then he did what was right and the this conditions, the, the, the prediction was changed. So you can do something about your, your, your situation. If you have identified with being from a household in which there is stress, then give us a call at one 544 We'll be happy to help you. It's very important for you to get help to know how to overcome those things that set you up for failure. I wish we had more time to go into that today, Melissa. Very, very interesting topic, but we have to stop here today in the interest of time. Thank you so much, Michael. And so until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services. And Melissa Waggett. Praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Music